And that's the, you know, the kind of squad that Jerry DePoto built. He joins me right now as he does every Thursday at 830. Good morning, Jerry. How we doing? Uh, good morning, Mike. A little under the weather, but otherwise okay. Well, it sounds like that's been the norm, unfortunately, here in your organization. But, geez, how about the depth you guys have? Did you ever think you would need such coaching depth? I mean, that's the thing that has uh, has maybe shocked me the most with, with this. We, it was inevitable that eventually we were going to have to battle, you know, the the the, the, the disease or the 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 illness. We we all have understood that for quite some time, but the fact that it just crushed our coaching staff and we had to tap into three layers deep we had to call broadcasters in to, to back us up which was unexpected well it uh you know you seem to have been weathering it really well and congratulations to christopher negron who got it done as the manager last night what was he playing for you guys like two years ago three years ago with the max i mean what a it's amazing how quickly guys are able to move through those ranks these days and, and how the game has changed that way you know, it's, it's a new development in baseball and, and has become very common over the course of the last, you know, three, four years, especially when you've got those special makeup guys who've got great feel and instinct for the game. It used to be that they would go to the minor leagues for decades to, to apply their trade before they got an opportunity in the big leagues. And, and now we just give them the opportunity. It's a, you know, it's a young player's game. It's a young person's game. And, you know, it's a, I, I think Chris is perfectly suited to, to what he was doing last night. So you guys have won three straight. I think it's five of six. Is this starting to look like the team you envisioned? Yeah, I mean, it's a, I, Justin and I have talked about it a good deal. Scott and I talked about it yesterday a little bit. It, it's, we're very excited by the, just the, the complete nature of the team. You know, we get on base, we make contact, we've got a little power, we can run, we play good defense. And, you know, and for, from the start, I, I've effectively told people don't sleep on our pitching. It's probably a little better than you think. So, uh, very excited about where we are a dozen games in for sure. Is there a key to this lineup? Like, is there something that kind of makes this lineup function well? I think the thing that that stands out most is that there's no holes. You know, at the in years past, really in any year that I can recall since being with the Mariners, you've always had pockets where you were dangerous. Or you know, for years when we had the the Nelly Cruz and Robbie Cano and Kyle Seager, you know, that especially that trio. But you know, Gene Segura. When we first got Mitch, you could go four or five deep, but I feel like now we are running nine deep. And even as we're finding out now, it's it's you know it's nine, it's ten, it's twelve deep at times. And you know when you can sub in players that that have the ability to perform like everyday guys, and they're getting that opportunity, you know, because of injury or because of illness. It's I think it's terrific. And and right now we're finding out that this team is deep and and has fewer holes than than teams in the past. Well, and honestly, it still doesn't even really feel like they've hit their stride. I mean, watching last night, that's a 4-2 win that felt like at times it could have been 12-1. to I really, you know, and I said to Justin post-game, you know, I didn't feel like that game was ever close until right. it got close. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it was. We, I, I felt like we were we were doing all the right things as we have. You know, taking our walks, getting on base, and you know, if, if not for the misfortune uh, and of many of the guys that have really found the the misfortune of hitting, uh, I guess the Babbitt, uh results have really and Jesse Winker and you know last night drilling a ball into a into a triple play there were multiple instances where we had we hit a ball on the screws and just it didn't fall in and 
And, you know, we're doing that and we're still performing offensively. So, you know, when those balls do start falling, it's it's fun to think about what that might mean for the team. You know, I was thinking about the triple play. Is it, it seems like one of the weird ironies of baseball that it's almost impossible to hit into a triple play unless you hit a ball really hard. It really is. It, it, and the circumstances have to be perfect. You know, right. It's a, I, I, I can't recall in, you know, 30 some years in baseball, I can't recall seeing too many triple plays, maybe two. Uh, it's, it's just not a thing that you see very often. And, and Jesse scorched that ball. And then, you know, you, you have to say the awareness of the defenders to know what to do because when runners are on the move and you just caught a ball that was 106 miles an hour. <laughs> your first instinct isn't, oh, wait, I can get three here. <laughs> you just react, and, uh, you know, good for them that they did, and good for us that we were still fortunate to pull out a win. Have you ever seen the uh, the unassisted triple play? Never have. I have. Never have. It's awesome. Video. Yeah, I think it was Julio Lugo, I want to say, I saw do it, and, and unfortunately he passed away this past year. But uh, I think Julio was playing, I want to say, second or short, you know, hard line drive up the middle, men on first and second, both both guys in motion. Caught it, stepped on the bag, and tagged the runner who was coming from first. It is such a fast play because all three things happen basically in a split second. You get all three outs. It's really cool. It's amazing. There are many times in my baseball career I wish I would have seen the end of the Especially <laughs> while you were pitching. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's talk about some of the... Let me talk about some of the guys on this team. Um, guys who have had some interesting starts, and and uh, you know I got to take responsibility here. We have not spent nearly enough time talking about Adam Frazier. We talked to you about him a couple of weeks ago, and I like your quote that uh, that that championship teams have Adam Frazier's. What, what was that process like in acquiring him, and what what went into it identifying and bringing him to Seattle? You know, Adam's actually a guy who, in the summer of 2021, we were at the goal line in acquiring him right before the the trade deadline. So at the time, he was with Pittsburgh, and and uh, you know we wound up coming up against it. We we fell short, and ultimately he landed in San Diego, and you know we pivoted in a couple of different directions. But we've always had interest in Adam and, you know, from a, from just a baseball intangibles perspective, he's one of those guys that really stands out from the first moment that you see him. He just, he does all the little things on the field. He's, he's a smart base runner. It's good at bat after good at bat. He swings at the right pitches. He has a lot of contact in his game, which is not common in today's really in today's game. And he has the ability to play different positions. And, and you saw that to come into play just a little bit in, in Minnesota. But you know, when we went into this offseason, understanding that the Padres had a little bit of a flood, you know, they, they had a few too many position players and, and Adam might be uh, someone that they would consider moving. Just tapped in with, with A.J. Preller. We talked about it. And, uh, you know, we were able to wrap it up pretty quickly and, and thrilled we did because he fits us perfectly. How well do you know A.J. Preller? It seems like you guys have pulled off a lot of deals. We do. Yeah, I've known A.J. a long time. You know, like, And I guess like so many others, if you're around for long enough, you just develop relationships. And uh, you know, A.J., to me, among the, the 30 general managers, is, is one of the most unique because he has such a vast scouting background. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I've, I think they've done a tremendous job in building up their talent base and you know, fortunate for us that we've been able to put together a few deals where, where they've been able to help ours. So how does that work? Because there's obviously got to be some level of trust, right, between guys who make deals with each other. And, and 
you know, you, you got in the better of them. You had one day where you, you really, you know, I think at this point sure looks like you got the better of them with the brash deal and bringing in Ty France all at once. And, you know, and Andres Munoz, we're getting to see what he means to the team and what he's got. Does he, does he like give you grief about something like that? Does it make it harder to do another deal together? I don't think it does. And, you know, clearly we've done a couple more since then and, and we've talked about others even, but I, I think you go into making deals and I, I guess AJ and and I guess he wouldn't mind me saying that AJ and I are maybe more aggressive than most. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just not being afraid of the miss. You know, you, you, if you're afraid of the miss, you won't make the trade and, you know, and then you pass on the, on the big moment when you, when you do make a deal that makes a difference for your team. And, and I guess that's the, you know, his background in scouting, calling the name in the first round or that the first international sign that, that, that gets the, the bulk of your, your signing bonus pool. And I, and I've always attributed it on my end to, you know, sometimes you got to be willing to throw the slider on three and two and, and, and occasionally you're going to hang it, <laughs> but you have to be willing to throw it. Otherwise you're not going to get the big out or, or make that big move. And, and I think AJ and I are wired similarly in that way. Well, I mentioned Matt Brash there. He has been certainly one of the fun things to watch uh, at the beginning of this Mariner season. I don't know if you saw the interview that he did uh, online a few days ago with the pitching ninja dude, Rob Friedman. But one thing, actually a bunch of things jumped out. First of all, his fingers are weirdly bendy, and that was kind of fun to watch. But also, he was talking about how his confidence improved when he came to Seattle. I wanted to play you just a quick, there's a quick cut here from Matt Brash. Maybe my confidence varied a little bit but as soon as i got to the mariners with all their like they have like pitch grades for like how well your stuff compares to mlb like average mlb pitchers and stuff like that that's where like my confidence kind of took off where the mariners and still like you have some of the best stuff in the big leagues like if you throw it in the zone like you're a really really good pitcher so ever since i got here with the mariners i've had no issue with being confident for sure it seems like a tremendous credit to your player development system to be able to help a kid like that really find out who he is. You know, I, I think it's something that Andy, our player development crew, uh, you know, even at the major league level, we've I, I, on last night's broadcast, I heard reference. I think Goldie made a reference to to the holistic nature of our development, our, our routines, and it's really true. You know, and we've we've from day one, just tell the players the truth, give them the information. Uh, and even if it's information that they might not embrace it, it, but they need to know the truth. And, and uh, you know, what Matt's talking about there with our pitch grades, we've, we've, you know, Joel Furman, our analytics department have done a wonderful job just building a, a, a base, a database of all the pitches that are thrown in professional baseball. And then we're able to effectively put a number on each pitch that that's thrown. And, you know, we're 100, just like OPS or ERA plus we're 100 is, is base average. And we're able to show our pitchers, here's what's coming out of your hand. Why wouldn't you be confident? And, and now we can talk about dominating that strike zone because we know the stuff is good enough. And, and uh, it does, it builds confidence. And I, I've sometimes I'll go in there and look at it for my own confidence. Like I know this should be working mm-hmm. and it will. And, and it does. So Jerry, we, it kind of brought me uh, to thinking about strategy and it's a part of the game that I don't know that I've ever really spent any time thinking about, especially with pitching. We, we think a lot about or talk a lot about stuff, command, control, execution, et cetera. 
But in listening to Paul Seewald and talk about how you guys made some alterations to his strategy of trying to throw up in the zone rather than lower with his fastball, listening to Logan Gilbert talk about this whole uh, glove side fastball thing that he got from Jacob DeGrom, how how important is strategy to a pitcher's success? Honestly, stuff plays, and you know it's the. It, it, but you will see if you go through the course of baseball history, you're always going to recall that guy who had just the nasty, nasty stuff who was never able to put it all together, or the eternally frustrating pitcher who never finds the command to go with that big stuff. And you know, for me, strategy is where it all starts. And I, I, I. I I can go back to my playing days and remember watching those great Braves teams. And I've referenced them so often in the way you build rosters because they just didn't make very many mistakes. And there was, there was a constant flow to their, to their player development. But the one thing that really stood out to me was, you know, you took Tom Glavin, you took John Smoltz, you know, at the time you took Steve Avery and, and, and we'll count Greg Maddox later, but those guys came in and the Braves had a strategy they threw fastballs to the glove side and they used changeups as their out pitch. And it's the first time that I ever recalled a group, you know, a, a team finding pitchers who fit their strategy. They found guys who could do what it is they wanted to do in order to, and, and, and that happened to be Greg Maddox's great strength. And, you know, he signed as a free agent uh, and they were able to do those things. And some guys could transcend that because Smoltz had the great breaking balls, but they still baseline they did the things that the Braves strategically wanted to do and and we do something similar but we don't try to find one shoe you know we try to find a closet full of shoes and then we adapt our strategy for that player to the individual so if we on a given day have 13 or 15 pitchers on our roster we have 13 or 15 different strategies that each one of those pitchers is in tune with and it probably makes it a little more mentally or emotionally taxing to be a catcher on our team, <laughs> but you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's something that we take pride in and I think we've done very well. Well, and it's got to be a lot less emotionally taxing on the pitcher because he goes, all right, I know which two or three things I really need to master and I can really kind of shrink that down and, and hopefully slow the game down. I think it's, it's pretty cool and obviously working really well for Logan right now. On the other side, uh, you got your two kids with, with, uh, with Jared and with Julio. I don't know that we've fully seen the complement of everything they can do. Where are we at with Julio and especially all the breaking balls that he's seen? What what are you seeing from Julio? I I admire the way that Julio is handling this. He's had a particularly difficult, you know, first dozen games in the big leagues in a lot of ways. Most especially the the propensity for seeing a breaking ball and and frankly the the width of the strike zone <laughs> has been a little bit challenging and and, uh, you know, he's, he's handled it really well. He handles it. He, he smiles. He understands that, that this too shall pass. He shakes his head. I'm very pleased with the way he's played on his homestand. He's showing you all the things he can do. He's, he's played good defense. He's getting his hits. He's coming up with a couple of key hits, taking the walk when it's there. And, you know, eventually the strikeout number is going to come down when the strike zone shrinks a little bit. And and eventually he will get fastballs to hit when all of a sudden those balls that are, you know, four, six inches off the plate are no longer strikes and they have to come back over the plate. So you know, I'm, I'm very confident in where Julio is and, and emotionally how he's handling this. And I'm thrilled with the homestand that, that Jared's had. He, you know, after a fairly slow start through Minnesota, it started to click for him that last day in Chicago, and I think he's had a really nice homestand. Yeah. 
you know, mostly smart at bats. He's hit the ball hard. I think he's playing a really good right field, and and it's it's coming together. They're young guys with huge upside. You know, we were talking about Jared yesterday. First, I find him fascinating, and it, it seems like he's 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 not necessarily what people think he is. I've found that people seem to think he's kind of a meathead, or I don't think he's that at all. I think he is a really smart, introspective, thoughtful, and obviously baseball smart and analytical kind of a guy. And and he's been really transparent about needing to relax and needing to not grip the bat so tight. And I and I'm worried that people are starting to think that that's like something that if he can't overcome, it's a it's a bad thing for his personality to to hurt his career. If he does put it together, won't that edginess and intensity just magnify and make the team so much better? Oh, I think so. And and Jared and I have talked about that. You know, it's a, it's just a matter of channeling your intensity in the right direction. And some of the great players that that, that I've watched over the last, you know, a couple of decades had that intensity and they and they're able to take it to a different level. Some of the great players in the game today, you know, Bryce Harper stands out as one of those mm. guys. It's, you know, there's and Jared has that kind of intensity on a field in how he works and 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 really in how he thinks about his job. He's He's about as focused a player, and on an age not even considered, he's about as focused a player as you're ever going to see. And and sometimes he needs to stand off the gas a little bit and just let it happen. But his his care factor, his work ethic, and his and his raw intelligence. You said it. I mean, J.K.'s a smart guy, and, and he understands what he's doing. And you know, I think once he once he allows himself to enjoy it, sometimes. That's the key, and and right now I think you're seeing it. This this homestand, it's you know he's he's meshing and he, he's 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 together with the other guys. You see it in the outfield after the wins, and like everybody else on the team, he loves to win. And winning makes it a lot easier to show up the next day with a little bit you know lighter feel to you. Yeah, I I really I see a little Bregman there as well. Maybe some Josh Donaldson. I pointed out Pedroia has been. He seems like when he really gets it going. The other 29 teams in the league are going to despise him, and I love that. I think that sounds like I can't really think of a Mariners player in my memory that other teams have really maybe worked up a dislike for, and I, I think that sounds great. I'm all in for that. Again, we talked about it with the championship teams have the Adam Frazier's. You know, they, they've also got the guy with the edge, and and we've talked about this before when it comes to you know clubhouse culture and, and the way your team is built, and especially leadership. You know, it's a it's never one guy. People always want to point to one guy because there's the, the magic unicorn that is occasionally Derek Jeter. More often, the club's culture or their, their personality and the leadership comes from a variety of different guys. And sometimes it's the, it's the guy with the intense grind like a Jared Kelnick. Sometimes it's the guy with the affable, you know, big personality like a Julio Rodriguez. Sometimes it's the quiet stoic who just goes about his job like a pro, like Adam Frazier or Mitch Hanniger. Those are the, that those guys really come together to create the leadership of a team. And I think they're going to be key to ours. Um, Robbie Ray, last, you know, it's been 99% positive. One question on Robbie Ray, cause I know the velocity was down a little bit. Maybe it was the weather, the strikeout numbers haven't been quite what, what maybe they'd been in the past. Where is, but yet he's finding ways to get outs, et cetera. What are you seeing with Robbie right now? Uh, probably the first start we're looking at cold. The second start we're looking at rain and wind <laughs> and, and frankly, situations or, or, or circumstances that maybe we shouldn't have been in. 
And this last start, I thought he was great. You know, he bumped up to 95. He was pitching at 92, 94 for much of that game. And, and we're starting to see the velocity creep. And, you know, after you throw the volume of innings that Robbie threw in 2021 and you come back and experience a short spring, I, I think it would be, it would be unwise of us to, to get too concerned about where he is. I think velocity across the league has generally been a little bit slow to develop. Mm-hmm. For most pitchers and, and, uh, especially guys who had full, you know, inning allotments last year. So he was again pretty close to his, his norm in this last start. And, and I'm not too worried about the strikeouts as long as he strike one on everybody like he has been. Well, Jerry, it's been a really fun start to the season. Great atmosphere, obviously, uh, for, for the home opener and that whole series against the Astros. Nice to punch them in the nose a little bit, and they've been on top of this division for a while. And then another series win guaranteed with the win last night. So really fun to watch, man. Looking forward to it, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, Mike. Appreciate it.